Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And if that crazy scream didn't clue you into what movie we are covering today on The Canon Canon, where we go through all the movies of the canon filmography... Today we are doing Michael Dudikoff's Avenging Force. Uh, Avenging Force, <laughs> a.k.a. Mixed Feelings. <laughs> oh, what a good other name that is. What a, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, the whole time I was just like, can't wait to talk to Frank as we watch this one because <laughs> same, where I was like, how am I? I'm smiling the entire time. Yeah. Kind of loved it. Because I'd never seen it before, but also have possibly not been this horrified by a movie in a while. Same. In a I know. while. Yeah, I, I was, um, I wrote down in my notes and parts being like, I fucking love this. And then other parts being like, fuck this movie. <laughs> yes. I hate it so much. Yeah. Uh, it's- so I'm like, I wildly oscillated between loving it and just being like, why? Yeah. Which may be, which again, I think the only thing I text you is like, this might be the most canoniest canon film we have watched yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it kind of might still be. When it was over, I was like, that is, it's almost like everything, if you were kind of doing a parody of a canon film, would happen. Dude. Happens. And- I thought about that. I, I ever, As I was watching this and as it, the credits were rolling, I thought the same exact thing is like, if you were to do... If you were to do a canon parody movie, you would just follow the beats and action structure of this movie. Yeah. If like, there was I mean, a crazy world where yeah. you and I could actually write parody movies and parody sketches about canon that anyone would care about, besides the lovely, lovely canon heads who listen to this podcast. Yes. Thank you, by uh, the way. Yes, thank you thank for you. listening. It would, it, it, we could just follow, like you said, we could just follow this kind of beat for beat, almost to the point where we're like, oh boy, like, could, is there anything to kind of parody with it? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, at that at, at a point, it becomes pastiche. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie, too, like, this was one that my friend uh, Tony from the band Zombie, uh, who have a new album out, actually, for everyone, you should get it. It's 2020, uh, is the name Check of the it album. Out. It is on Relapse. It is fantastic. But, he reached out after we did American Ninja on Insta and talked to him in a while. And he was like, yo, are you down with Avenging Force? <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, not, not yet. It's just one that kind of missed me. Uh, and yeah, had you ever seen Same. it before? This? Yeah. And so he was just like, yeah, weird white supremacist shit with an amazing score. And I yeah. was like, pretty good summary. And then he goes... And also, my boy John P. Ryan does this amazing scene, and he sent me a little clip from the end, not to jump ahead, of him doing that crazy yell that I did at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> and right. I was like, wow. And that was, it was like two minutes after he had sent me that Instagram message. Well, two minutes after I listened to New Zombie, and it was fantastic. And then three minutes after, while I was listening to it, I looked to see if we could watch Avenging Force, because that's part of our our system here is that we don't really have a system beyond 
what can we get right now that's streaming? Mm-hmm. What can we get from some funky download sites and or has someone put this up on YouTube and it's not completely fucked up? Yeah. Uh, luckily, this was a pristine version on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. Yeah, it was like super sharp, like borderline HD. The sound yeah. was actually listenable. Um, yeah, it, w- it was actually synced up too. It was synced up and there weren't any points where I was like, I guess we'll just deal. So if you want to be watching this, one of the best ways to do it, unless you're getting some sort of, I'm guessing, Michael Dudikoff uh, package Blu-ray that has like five different movies. Good link on YouTube for this. But yeah, hopefully it's still up by the time. <laughs> we, we yeah, bad that's the other that. part. We never know. Like uh, we are yeah. also sometimes racing against the clock. Like in theory, if we were doing this logically, we would have done Invasion USA before this, which is the, uh, in theory, precursor to this, but not really. We'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But fuck that. This is our podcast. We do it the way we want. And today was an Avenging Force Day. (laughs) Correct. So let us, there's a lot to talk about. So this is, I think like, we don't even, let's get into this one. Frankie boy, uh, what was this? 1986? Yep, September 12th, 1986, with a budget of $4 million and a worldwide gross of $4.6 million. <laughs> um, yep. So, I mean, Perfect. it like, yeah, it, it, it kind of made its money back a right. little bit. Barely. Not even that. That I guess in movie terms, it's not considered a success. No. No, you want to make uh, probably twice that amount to, for it to maybe justify a sequel. Ideally. I think um, that's probably why when looking for like some facts on Wikipedia, really the only fact is this movie was not critically acclaimed at all. <laughs> no, and it was only in 500 theaters too. Ooh, so yeah. that didn't, that didn't uh, help out at all. I mean, it, it came in 123rd place. Okay. Uh, we've already gone over the 1986 top movies uh number one top gun two crocodile dundee three karate kid part two four back to school five aliens six the color purple seven star trek uh four the voyage home eight ruthless people nine out of africa ten Fer- ferris bueller's day off there's a lot of 1986 movies is we've this done the already. same year as runaway train uh no okay 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 no 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 uh that was or wait, maybe it is. It was because a runaway train was eighty five just to get we think just to get the Oscar right. nod, and then eighty six. I was like, why correct, do these correct. names sound so familiar? Besides that, these are movies all of us have watched a billion times. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, it's all starting to blur, but it's all around <laughs> yeah. that time. I think, but like, yeah, it was one hundred twenty third, and it beat other canon films, uh, or it, it was beat by other canon films, Invaders from Mars and Highlander. Okay. Uh, and non-canon film, Troll. But it beat King Kong Lives, That's Life, and P.O.W. The Escape. Oh, I can't wait to find a copy of that for us. Yeah, P.O.W. <laughs> the Escape, another canon film. Wait, King Kong Lives, I vaguely remember that sequel. And yeah, I, wait, what's That's Life? Isn't that the Albert Brooks movie? No, that's real life. Oh, now I'm just wondering what the hell that's like. That's why is. I wrote it down. <laughs> no, that's life means nothing to us besides. Okay. It's a movie that stars Jack Lemon and Julie Andrews. It's an American comedy drama. I'm sure at some point I'll watch it during this quarantine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's it's still going. It's still going, baby. We're never going to stop this quarantine. Oh, people, yeah. will you just put on your official canon masks, will you? Just put uh, on a did, mask. If you didn't see, I shared it on our Instagram. 
Uh, oh, yeah. It's actually not official at all. There was someone who made a Canon Films mask that I'm sure at some point I'll be crazy enough to buy once I am broken by this quarantine even more. Uh, I mean, the Republicans in this movie don't have a problem wearing masks. God, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> can can the maggot-shuds that live in our world now just learn something from fucking Avenging Force? Oh, man. Yeah, it's... We'll get into it, but it is definitely like there were whole sections where I was just like Trump rally. Um, I know I was there was. uh, Yeah, exactly. I was like, holy fuck. I was like, how is this still? This was uh, 1986. This isn't 2020. Like, this is crazy. I was like, how is this just as relevant? And I wrote down some of the lines he said where I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) How are we, you know, uh, 30 years later still fucking having these issues? Because the confusing politics of this movie did not clear it up for us. Nope, they absolutely did not. Um, This movie, speaking of releases, and you said with Worldwide and stuff, this was released as American Ninja 2 in Israel. Because American Ninja, I guess, was so popular, so they released Avenging Force as American Ninja 2. So when they shot American Ninja 2, they had to release it as American Ninja 3 over there. It's a little bit like Dawn of the Dead being Zombie 2 in Italy to go off of Fulci. This is a weird confusingness because there's a lot of different names for this movie. And uh, partly, again, because I'm sure they did the canon stuff like this was supposed to be a Norris film. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was supposed to be a sequel to Invasion USA. Uh, which I love, and again, confusing politics. But Norris was just like, nah, I'm, in, I'm good. And he walked away, so then they rewrote it. They wrote it for uh, Dudikoff. And then yep. it basically, it's still Matt Hunter from Invasion USA, but not at all. Uh, has nothing to do with it. And at one point, it was called Night Hunter, which is a very fun oh. name. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't it's That is even more so than avenging force because at least in this he is avenging and dudikoff is a force night <laughs> hunter is nothing i guess unless it's yeah the murderers yeah are, i guess that would be it then. but it wasn't but then even then they're not really hunting at night no the first one scene. kills are in the morning <laughs> so yeah uh but on imdb there was at least someone had mocked it up if not an official like kind of one of those canon mock-up posters of matt hunter is back in night hunter um, I love the name. I wish they had made a Night Hunter, <laughs> but yeah. Avenging Force works as well. Um, the tagline for this movie, uh, well, there were two that I saw. One, when getting even just isn't enough. Good. <laughs> Pretty good. Also, my yearbook yeah. quote, which is weird. Um, oh, okay. Uh, not really, but might as well have been I was an insane person. Uh, yeah. Also, the original poster said that uh, deemed it the action film of the year. And huh. was it? I don't know. Maybe it might have been because it kind of is nonstop. Like, it really is. Yeah, but on the same. No, when the, when you're released the same year as Aliens. Yeah, actually, I take it all back. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, there's no way you're the action <laughs> film of the year with Aliens and Out Top of Gun. Africa. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. You got out of Africa. You're definitely not going to win that title. <laughs> they get the hell out of there. Just, get the, just take your losses and scram, Avenging Force. Uh, <laughs> it is also a name that I have to keep 
looking at my notes because I constantly am about to forget that the movie's called Avenging Force. <laughs> Why? Because it's just kind of a non-name. Like I said, like it's just like right. it might as well be Night Hunter. Like it could it's any movie us any action movie usa which is right. maybe part of even why we were talking about like this is essentially a canon films pastiche parody film right in the best it should be called like revenge to kill <laughs> revenge to kill is a great fantastic title oh man that sounds like a steven Seagaler though yeah, me. that really does. Yeah. Uh, that's just like they're running out of the the variations for him. Um, Revenge to Kill <laughs> is such a good name, though. Um, this is a Furstenberg, too, right? Yep, sure is. So psyched. I was psyched to see Furstenberg. Also, George S. Clinton. Again. Ah. Uh, we're not confused this time, George nope. S. Clinton. Fool but- me and Frank once. Shame on us. Fool us twice, then we're really dumb and we're the quarantine's really getting to us and our brain is broken here. Right, we're um, all funked up. We really are. Did you, uh, did you see who the writer was? Yeah. That he was the guy in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the head of the, uh, the, um, the government agency. <laughs> Whatever uh, it is. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, the government. Um, yeah. <laughs> elite government agency uh, that sends out their best people, <laughs> right. broadly. Uh, we apologize if we miss the nuance of what this organization is. But also, it's like, it's obvious. He's the fifth member. Yeah, I I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, he's the fifth member. He wrote the fucking film. He, oh, yeah, and he's American writing Ninja himself two in another American fifth. Ninja movie. By the way, which is funny because it came out the year after this. Yeah. But then again, was American Ninja three. It's all what a confusing (laughs) anyway. But yeah, he he's obviously the fifth member. Right. Obviously. So I guess we should do a brief like if you have it, if it'd be crazy that you're listening to an Avenging Force podcast. But basically, in theory, it's Matt Hunter from Invasion USA and uh, he's trying to help out his friend who's running for mayor of of something of New Orleans. He was a senator. Okay, that works too. Again, all these nuances I should have picked up on, but also, did any of it matter? Not particularly. And there is a group of rich white supremacists playing the most dangerous game for some of the movie and also just being terrible people for the rest of the movie called the pentangle uh right and pentangle pro v <laughs> yes which is also a great uh british folk prog band um <laughs> and picturing them as a british folk prog band all the time was pretty fun to me um and yeah they're just kind of killing people and then uh michael dudikoff is an avenging force at the end uh and there's a hidden fifth member of the pentangle and we'll get into it even deeper, but it's probably this guy who wrote the movie. Um, yep. But also, maybe doesn't matter. <laughs> it's kind of confusing to me. But I, I like like we said at the beginning, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And also, like as a person who has seen a lot of movies and a lot of fucked up shit in movies, and maybe it's the being so you know quarantined for so long. Maybe it's being a father now. Maybe it's just being more of a human being. But there were definitely some scenes where I was just like, whoa, 
did yep. not expect that. And, yeah, I really didn't. And then another one. And then another one. <laughs> yeah, the, at some certain points, I was just like, okay. I mean, that's how I feel about canon sometimes is we're being yeah. like, we've talked about this too, where I'm the one who's always saying like, like, you didn't have to do that. Right. But this was one where legitimately, and that was part of it, where I think that was the thing. Like, I kept getting into, like, little sections. I was like, did you even need that? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, plot-wise, I could we could have gotten from there to there. And it wasn't, like, an exciting kill. And most of the time, we're talking about murdering children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Let's just... Let's stop dancing around it. There's multiple children murdered. Murdered. And I'm laughing in the way... This is the type of Garlock laugh that is elicited by going on a roller coaster. Right. (laughs) Where I'm just like, what? Like, (laughs) it's the laugh where my wife is always like, oh, you got freaked out, huh? And I'm like, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I was. I think because I was just shocked. Like even again, my buddy Tony saying, "White supremacists doing some crazy shit with a great score," uh, did not prepare me for a couple of moments where I was just like, "Wait, what? Is <laughs> that's what this is gonna be?" I mean, we're, we've been talking about. Should we just get straight into this fucking movie? Yeah, let's uh, do it. Yeah, I mean, first off, as we always got to say, dope cannon logo. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> this is one of those Metro Goldwyn. Uh, yeah, and they were still involved with them. And it's got that fucking that saw that like ding 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 that goes on too many notes. I love it so. Yeah, much. Yeah, the cool Canon logo. Yeah. Uh, goofy font for the titles. I know we love to get picky, but it was just like an a little bit goofier than I thought it would be. And I don't know if yeah. that's the best way to describe it, but it was like slightly roundish, cartoony font that they chose <laughs> right so when avenging force came flying up it was a little bit like a little less avenging and a little bit less of a force than i thought it would be right <laughs> um i also was like is this and maybe we've seen a better one but i was like is this the best start of a movie that we've had so far it's definitely the most intriguing i think yeah like it gets into it, like it already like plants the mystery and it, it introduces you to these like crazy characters right. who are swinging for the fences with these crazy masks. And you're <laughs> automatically like, oh, they're hunting. They're like, this is like the most dangerous game and it's fucked up. And it's like already your 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 interest is peaked because it's just so the masks make it so strange. Right. Because we open on like a bayou. And there's two men being chased by samurai with a stranger's mask. Uh-huh. Is one of the members of the Pentangle. Correct. Uh, you got called, Gimp Mask. You got Gimp Mask, who looks like really buff Tony Levin from Peter Gabriel's band uh, to <laughs> me. The whole I thought it was Jesse Ventura at first. And it's that it's totally it's it's Jesse Ventura merged to me with Tony Levin. He could have started playing a Chapman stick at any point. Uh, in between his like fucked up SM gear, uh, there was a guy that I deemed COVID weekend warrior. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who's with the shotgun and seemed vaguely not into it sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of weird moments in this movie where I was like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be getting from their faces. Like, COVID weekend warrior had like 
a moment, like a couple moments where I was like, wait, are they going to turn it into he's the one member of the Pentangle who's not exactly sure that they should be uh, controlling the government with I their business? Too. But then it never played out because I guess he was a senator, the youngest yeah. senator, maybe. And a Harvard football player. And a Harvard Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. And then uh, Kabuki Socialite Garriter. Which, <laughs> right, with the pipe. Yes, with the pipe. Him having a pipe was such a fun move. Because they do, like, again, we have a good rollout of each of these as characters. Like, we get to and see the crazy we just saw costume. that actor, too, remember? Yeah, John P. Rott was just in uh, Runaway Train. Midnight in Runaway Train. Uh, yeah. Which we were, again, like, where I was just like, oh, he really, he's not just Runaway Train, baby. <laughs> he is no. Amazing. And he's awesome at this. I... I think by the end of this podcast, like, as we keep doing this podcast, it, he's becoming, like, top 10 genre actors to me. Yeah. Like, every Genre time, villains, for genre sure. Genre villain, definitely. Like, when he showed up, I was, I couldn't have been more psyched. Because uh, he... I, I didn't expect, I knew he was in it, but I just wasn't, I get dumb, and I wasn't thinking through, and I wasn't expecting him to be the guy with the Garrett fetish. Yeah. And I also did not expect him to give out that crazy Tarzan yell, which he at does the be- I, at the beginning and the end. I know. I wrote down he he sounded like Christopher Lloyd yelling. Because <laughs> it was like... Yeah. And then he like sounded like the Great Gazoo when he was talking. And I was like, what is this? I, a classic, my wife half watching it, where she's halfway through, she's like, what the fuck is his accent? And I was like, I don't, maybe, I know. New Orleans. It's Cajun, sort of, but kind not. Of. It's-, uh, it's a crazy accent. But yeah, like, it it has a really fucking fun beginning. Uh, guy just getting slammed. Just people yeah. just getting slammed. Although I will fuck it when COVID weekend warrior did that flip out and like flipped over the guy. (laughs) Right. I just kept like, I was just like the other guy did nothing. Like you just like overextended your jump, which is a theme in this movie. There's people Mm -hmm. either making big leaps from things or little tiny leaps, um, (laughs) which is a great, like where I was like, first there's something you're not getting right. It's something I love also about that. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Every, yeah, everything about this beginning was really awesome to me. Like, I I, I think it's also helped by, like, and you might agree, you might not, but I think we've already kind of said, like, the details, as always with these, we get a little bit lost on them. I didn't know what was going on completely until Matt Hunter goes to the government. Right. Like, I, like you have to remember... Invasion USA, and then be vaguely aware that what he was as a character in that, but then it's not him. So, like, <laughs> I didn't know what he was. I didn't know who his friendship was with uh, the other guy. Like, I didn't know what level, yeah. if he worked for the government. Like, I just was going with, or I was like, he's Dudikoff. I don't know. I'm just going to. Yeah, he's supposed to be the guy. He's just the guy. He's the he's the one-man army. Um, But... With that, again, where I was just like, I guess I'm just going to go with whatever information they're giving me. We got a crazy, four crazy killers who are going to be killing people. 
I'm <laughs> sure their paths are going to cross. I realize also that I forgot that the S&M guy, I kept thinking of the movie 8mm. <laughs> Nicholas Cage because they got that guy the machine who's like the murderer in the snuff film Uh, and that's what they were clearly going for but like that guy was supposed to be sexual right I don't I don't know I think so Uh, maybe (laughs) he gets like like I guess if they went further like if you really wanted to do a character study um, it's like you find out that he's some kind of like uh, he gets sexual pleasure out of the murder kind of like um how like Victor Zaz is um, yeah. portrayed in the Birds of Prey movie. Right. You know, where it's a little bit like sexual and just like a lot of like, he gets a kick out of the the murder aspect of it. So right. maybe that's what, if the, you developed it a little bit more, but otherwise he's just wearing the gimp gear. I, I wrote down, I was like, do they have a, just a box of masks that they're like, yeah, just uh, pick whatever fits you, whatever uh, you suits think you. you are. <laughs> Yeah, you you pick for yourself. Right. We have this box of masks here, and you get to pick your. Oh, it's like a build a bear thing for exactly. your own murder. Build yeah, a bear pentangle. <laughs> I would... pentangle does not assign. We let you create. Sure, we're racist, and sure we're trying to control all of the government and business. But you be you. You know, <laughs> right. we're not gonna hold you back. Um, because yeah, I guess like that is, it goes along with the beauty of most canon films where like you and I are trying to read extra stuff in there and maybe in a pre-edited script, there was more of like a character for each of them. Uh, like I said, cause I think that COVID weekend warrior was probably supposed to be the reluctant one at one point. Right. And that. Uh, Tony Levin, Jesse Ventura was supposed to be the the boner killer. Um, And I don't know what Samurai Stranger Mask was exactly supposed to be besides French. Yeah, he was was a white guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically... And that's... I almost feel like... It's like when you're writing a script and you're like telling yourself, like, character is all that matters. Character is all that matters. Give each of them a character game. And then you've got, like, a five-person script and you're like... Sure. I don't know, man. <laughs> that yeah, he, fourth... uh, he likes hard candies. I don't know. Yeah. Man, could that be his thing? Let's just let that be his thing. We'll work it out. We'll work it out eventually. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, I'll come back to it. Yeah. The, when the... you're writing a script and you're like just having a placeholder there just to get through it, just to power through. Yeah. You're like, I'll go back and season it in and I'll 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 flush it out even more. And they were just like, And really then you do to? like you do like five rewrite sessions that just involve you staring at final draft <laughs> at all of the notes you've made to yourself of get back to this later. Uh, right. And that might've been a bit, I mean that I, I always imagine that's a big chunk of canon film scripts. Oh yeah. Well, I mean the fact that they have to shoot a lot of that so fast too, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, Which is funny. I didn't know that uh, kind of not to uh, bring up an older episode, but like New Year's Evil had to be shot in like two weeks. Oh, OK. So two weeks with also we had talked about those tight locations. Yeah. Uh, no wonder you've got some of the shots there where you're like, oh, that one doesn't look as good as we thought this <laughs> right. movie was going to be. Um, I would love if there was a novelization of Avenging Force because you know how there's oh, always yeah. like the extra stuff that comes out. Like we've talked about like the Halloween three novelization. Oh my God. Is yeah. really good because they flesh out Tom Atkins alcoholism at the beginning. 
Uh-huh. And him giving the masks to his kids ends up making even sadder sense because in the book they make it that he has a choice to either buy the expensive silver shamrock mask or buy these cheap ones in his six pack of beer. <laughs> and he chooses the <laughs> beer and the cheap ones. And I was like, oh, what a great character choice for that fucking shitty doctor. Um, yeah. But the same with this. Like, I would love to hear the the inner workings of Tony Levin, Jesse Ventura talking about how he's getting some fucking sexual uh, uh, fetish off out of this. Um <laughs> It would just be so great. But this was also... So this... The music was was awesome in this movie. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I, I wrote down, it kind of had like a little bit of proto Reznor and Ross, you yeah. know, feel to it. I was like, oh, this kind of feels like a Trent Reznor, Atticus Rossi kind of... Because with the keyboard and then the yep. kind of swampy, swamp industrial kind of sound. <laughs> yes. Well, it was weird. It's like... To me, it was like the the mix of Atticus, Ross, what they've done, because they are pretty good at not being overbearing with the music, I think. Right. Like, I think so, too. Uh, uh, but you can listen to it standalone. And then it also had like, it was like George S. Clint was going for like a mix of like that, or not that you would be going for that, but like Fulci stuff, like Fabio Frizzi stuff, because it had like almost like a taste of the area they're in, like kind of how you yeah. would do that in zombie combined with clearly nods to, which then I was like, Oh, were they thinking of this as a spaghetti Western at times? Because it definitely has some like Ennio Morcone, uh, rest in peace, uh, yeah. good, the bad and the ugly sort of like those whistles, but then they would mix in that kind of, uh, uh, like the, 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 the Asian scales quote unquote, right? Yeah, yeah. that like every like seventies and eighties composer would use kind of like lazily. Uh huh. Um, but it was it was like kind of like it would move around a bit, which was nice. But it was also kind of driving. Like when we get and we'll get to with that like car chase scene. Like that music was fucking killer. Yeah. Uh, it also reminded me of. Have you ever? And I've always meant to ask me because I think they're from Austin. Have you ever watched anything by the Synth Freak? F R E Q. Oh, that sounds familiar. It's these two sisters who uh, are just obsessed with synths and they're both also like i think both legally blind and deaf and they just kind of do it out of love and they have a youtube channel uh and again me and my buddy from zombie once got obsessed with them but like they write essentially like this 80s synth stuff that is perfect sometimes and they're only doing it really for themselves they've only like played out live once it's just on their youtube channel but one of them is really good at that kind of keyboard guitar soloing oh Uh, yeah and there's so much of that in this like where it's just like they're definitely playing the wheel uh and everyone should look up the synth freak as in frequency but because i do think it kind of sounds like this sadly this soundtrack didn't seem to be available on vinyl i don't think Um, yeah because i would kill to have this one this is one yeah, I this want is one i would get to yes but the killers also were a little bit like in cobra right <laughs> you know where they're just like merging together where it's like oh it takes all types like to uh-huh. be murderers <laughs> like they all work together it's like oh we can have porno guy over here and we can have fucking uh erudite pipe smoker running the whole thing um and he had their like little lapdog guy, the uh, Six Flags. I wrote down Mitch McConnell origins. That's um, 
for the guy who tried to shoot him at the parade, the first guy, and he was like, oh, yeah. You know, he's like yeah. very like, stereotypical. Like, yeah, we're going to get them good. We're going to get them. We're going to shoot them down. Yeah, it was basically Sudeikis doing that. Oh, yeah. That's right in the potato chip sketch. Yep. <laughs> I just, he was exactly like that audibly. And also, that's what the Six Flags guy with Mitch yeah. McConnell was great. Because I was sitting there like, who does he remind me of? And I had only written a skinny Andrew Zimmern from Bizarre Foods <laughs> <laughs> with a crazy, we want to get them. <laughs> he reminds me of like a Dana Carvey. Yes. Like Cajun character. It's like, uh, I don't know if you remember the Anita Hill sketch where it was all the governors and it was a strong, I think his Dana Carvey Strom Thurmond. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like what women enjoy. Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's really crazy. One of those Dana Carveys where you're like, you know that this is nowhere close to a human being. And you're just Oh yeah, not at all. It. But he's enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my favorite types. So that beginning was really good, but was better than Dudikoff's actual entry. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's so weird because they have this intense uh, opening, and then all of a sudden they have them roping cattle, which I fucking hate. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Texas, and that was always the shit that I was like, people want to go to rodeo, and I'm like, I hate this. Right. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate seeing it. I hate. But anyway, it's like he's dressed like an oil tycoon, and he's driving <laughs> Marty McFly's dream truck. Yes, I wrote. It was like the AT. Uh, pickup truck is what I wrote down at one point. But I'm not going to lie. I would own that shit. That truck is very cool. And it is. <laughs> I am so glad you said. I was like, it's not exactly 18 truck. It's just the pinstripe. But it is like that truck at the end when life has become great. Uh, yeah. And it is cool as hell. Like, I think because my son is now super into like old hot wheels and my matchbox that I had my mother said now yeah. I'm like constantly like looking at weird cars and that was <laughs> one that I was like that's a cool one I want that as a toy um, yeah we would look like such dipshits driving around <laughs> fucking California <laughs> I don't know man I've seen some pretty like uh, yeah. Should I, I say I think... we would look like such dipshits to our friends? Oh yeah, to our friends for sure. They're like, "Why did you get this?" Yeah, and everyone it's else like, "No, would no, say... you know, it's uh, the gas is uh, semi decent." <laughs> exactly. Trying to justify it. We would be like our friends who like came out to LA for the first time and got their first lease because they lived in New York all this time, and you're like, "That's what you got." Like you got like a Corvette, basically. Right. <laughs> but it said we we get the pickup truck from Avenging Force. Because also in this scenario, you and I have leased a truck alone, not with our wives. It's just you exactly. and me. And right now, I want to go on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, uh, alternating weekend days. Uh, it's going to be complicated, but I think it'll work out for us. Yeah, we'll make it work, and we're just going to drive around <laughs> blasting the Avenging Force uh, soundtrack <laughs> that we've ripped from YouTube that still has the dialogue on top of it. Yes, it has dialogue, and every once in a while, we forgot to get rid of a Google ad uh, <laughs> or a weird Trump ad that got forced in there, and then we oh, really yeah, look yeah. like fucking assholes. That's what always scares me, too, about when we end up watching these movies on YouTube is... Me, too. ...what ads come up that I'm guessing are either based on what we've been watching, but also yep. combined with who else has been watching Avenging Force on a DVD rip. Um, yep. But, yeah, we'll talk... We're getting so, this truck after we're done here. 
Yeah, so, but, like, yeah, the way they introduce him, he's ra- ra- uh, wrangling cattle, mm-hmm. he's dressed like an oil tycoon, and then his little sister is ADR'd like crazy. <laughs> How oh my God. happy was I when I first even read in the Wikipedia that that actress apparently had too light of a voice and was going to have to have her voice dubbed the whole time? Because immediately Good I was like, God. Frank is going to lose it. It's <laughs> so prominent. Like, I wonder, it couldn't have, her voice couldn't have been that light right because now they're like hi my ass galley like they're like <laughs> overdoing it just like jesus christ well you make funny? a promise to me matt y'all come back <laughs> like it is um, insane <laughs> i was gonna say that little girl looked like um uh one of our very good friends and wife of noah segan um allison bennett Mm-hmm. Uh, she's posted pictures of herself as kid as a kid. Yes, and I was like, that looks like Allison as a kid. It's so funny. If she, if if that little girl at one point picked up like whatever Allison has in that one band photo, like there's a photo of our friend <laughs> holding like an oboe or something. Yeah, <laughs> like and I was like, oh yeah, that's that. Yes, she's definitely. Now it's also fun to picture our good friend with that voice growing up. Because <laughs> right. it's an insane voice. Like, it's one of those, like, that's one of those moments that happens in maybe every canon film where you're just like, All right, what were you, th- come on, guys. Like, yeah. you gotta know this sounds ridiculous. This can't sound better than what that girl's voice sounded like. You also, know? one of my biggest problems with this movie was just how they kept pointing out, like, being like, wow, she's really beautiful. It's like, weird. It's so weird. And then, like, just, be- I hate when adults talk about kids being like oh they're gonna be a heartbreaker yeah and like yeah and like how they're like wow she's growing up to be a young woman the way they look at her and then like what happens later in the film just right really skewed me out yeah i mean that to jump ahead for the bit but do you think it was a setup that's yeah, not I mean, needed sure. again going with what we talked about where there's a lot of stuff in here like not needed um no it's setting up. I mean, I think that so. She's but she's gonna, it's got in that theory, be touch auctioned that's... off as a child prostitute at the end of this Ugh. movie. <laughs> Crazy. Like, I know. I know. In their mind, they're like, "Yeah, we're setting this up," but it's like I said, it's got that canon touch that it's just like way too fucking heavy-handed and like right. clumsy, and then like it comes <laughs> off very like, oh, yes, because <laughs> it it was weird enough. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, we are noticing these things that are weird enough that clearly both of us, like, it's almost like when I wrote that down, I was like, I bet you Frank notices the amount of times they got someone going like, she's a cute girl. She's going to really grow up to be something. <laughs> like, yeah, they are fucking... like one line away from like some old man walking up and just going like, I've got a boner looking at her. Like, and you're right. just like, yeah, we get it, Furstenberg. Like, we get it. <laughs> uh john p no not john p ryan whatever the writer's name was yeah um uh james booth but like that is it's that it's the heavy handedness of canon that like sometimes you're you those those scenes will start and you're just like can we get this moving can we just get to the action like yeah let's just get to the the best part of the movie (laughs) right where it's them fighting at that shipyard yes so excited when Steve James showed up. Oh, yeah. I got super. I mean, I, I knew it was in it because of the poster and everything. Same. But I was like, man, this movie is already going to be. So, also, I, I just want to point out that Dudikoff really has come into his own. Yeah. Because he's got a, a swagger with his acting style that definitely wasn't there during um, American Ninja. I agree. You know, the first one. And uh, I think that, like, 
I, I don't know. I enjoyed him a lot. I, I would love to see this. Dudikoff in um this version of Dudikoff in American Ninja. Me too, because he's so it's so confident and it's so. I mean, even he's uh, fucking improvising lines. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like he's, uh, what is the uh, line he, that he improvises? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, stick it where the sun don't shine. Good going, dude. A cough. That's, that's, you know, uh, James Booth isn't going to deny that line. It's, it's right there. Uh, that's, I imagine the day on the set where they're like, he, he forgot his line or he's just like, he, Dudikoff is so confident now. He's like, no, you know what? I'm going to do a take where I change the line. And I'm going to show them that I, I can I can swing for the fences and fucking hit it out of the park. So when it was supposed to be a line that was like written, yeah. and, you know, uh, and then also he's he's improvising the line to the writer to his face. I know. Real fuck you to him. Huh? Right. It's like, hey, check this out. Stick it where the sun don't shine. And when they called cut. The fucking crew lost their mind, and they're like, "Where did you come up with that?" And just then he's like, I, "I don't know. It just came to me." I, I guys, I, maybe I could be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was so I, I I was psyched when Steve got there. I think like uh, that being said, Steve is still even, especially when they get to the fighting. Uh, it's still like. Dudikoff got so much better, even from event uh, from American Ninja, but yeah. Steve James is just like that He's guy's just, golden, man. <laughs> every time he was on screen, I just kept going, man. I was like, man, I love Steve James. Really? Just I really was like, if, I kept writing it down. If my wife wasn't sitting next to me and it would have been uh, extra awkward, I would have been muttering it out loud to myself. <laughs> yeah, I just kept being like, God damn, I I love I just love Steve James. He's just so awesome. He's so engaging on screen yeah so of course you know with how we feel about him you definitely know how we feel about the fact that you know he doesn't survive this movie no he really or nobody doesn't. in his family does i mean that's you know I, I kept getting back to that tagline i talked about at the beginning like when getting even just isn't enough you could have been getting even for like one person yeah. Like you could have been get you could That's have been enough. getting His even for Steve James. Shot. Like Steve James would have been enough. Like I don't want to see him dead. But yeah. uh cuz yeah, like that so we just to kind of like keep it moving like we get to Mardi Gras. They're they're going he's going to visit Steve James. Steve James is running for maybe senator. Uh Yeah. I think that's the other part too is like even though this is a movie about white supremacists, it's still somehow the racism part sometimes is just glazed over. Like, yeah. it's just like in a weird way. It's again, like it's, it's that, it's that Canon thing and action movie thing where they still have to make it an action film. So like Steve James's son gets murdered, his young right. child at a parade. Only really a couple scenes later, him and Dudikoff are joking around like nothing's happened. Yeah, it is weird how he handles the death of his son at the beginning. Right. We see he's a little upset, and I have a feeling that Steve James is probably like, hey, do you mind if I show some kind of... I would imagine. Just like he yeah. worked in with the fighting in American Ninja, Like I, I would I would hope Steve James uh, was kind of stepping in here or there and was just like, can we maybe actually show some reverence to this plot that you're using here? Um, right. And I think that's at the hospital where Dudikoff tells him, you know, like, hey, I'm here if you need me. Right. 
and he's showing some kind of again like you know we don't want to show our characters weak but that's kind of like the moment that i feel like steve james was probably like I, we need to show some kind of levity here right because but because then right after that is like they're they're going to whatever that next fight is and they're just like you got a piece nah man got rid of him before you got any nope what are we gonna do do what we do best improvise it's like <laughs> right and while that is happening i'm like your son is dead like literally yeah. just like died like 20 minutes ago in the grand scheme of it all <laughs> so he gets shot down in uh steve james character is in a mardi gras parade uh yeah, it looked like mardi gras comes to universal city walk <laughs> yes it's it. <laughs> and then eagle eye dudikoff aka matt hunter they, the first time we're seeing that he is a one-man army and can sense things more than other people, he yep. notices that that tuba player doesn't have his mouth on the tuba. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's He's like, it's like I I wrote down the cult of Ma- uh, uh, Mangione. Yes, the cult, the cult, <laughs> the of, cult Mangione. of Mangione. <laughs> <laughs> the cult of Mangione is going to take down Steve James. Yeah, uh, I, and I also wrote down like even when the at the shipyard, I was like. Every one of these guys looks like they could be in the Doobie Brothers. Yes, because they're all dumpy and bearded (laughs) with sunglasses (laughs) that are hiding a long night of partying and cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Because they all look like the Doobie Brothers, it's crazy when they're sometimes giving Dudikoff a run for his money. And you're like, that makes sense with S&M Tony Levin. But... Like when it's like, yeah, the trumpet play or they're like, yeah, the third trumpet player in Chicago uh, <laughs> fighting Dudikoff. Um, but yeah, I, I have rem- a question. Yes, go on. So I have a question about the, the scene where they pull out the guns. Yeah. So they plan it. Those women were part of the plan that they had the uh, the strollers with the guns in them. Yeah. So two strollers come up. And I guess in the baby strollers, those babies were lying on top of Uzis. Uh, Right. And that was the confusing part because, which I guess threw me off, which is good filmmaking, I suppose. But, like, it's very joyful. It's City Walk Mardi Gras, like you said. And then the foreboding music kicks in. But it it kicks in when those two ladies walk in. Yeah, the two strollers. It's like, but how are they a part of it? Right, and I wrote down, I was like, oh, what? Is there going to be guns in those strollers? Like, I was kind of being, like, a dick to myself. Like, right, same. And that, But I think because it is a little weird, and I guess that's maybe the idea is they're trying to throw you off, maybe, because my first thought was there's no way that these two women are going to murder Steve James. I thought, yeah. And then it goes back and forth. Like, Dudikoff is noticing stuff forever. Uh, (laughs) And then, yeah, Doobie Brothers isn't playing the tuba. (laughs) And then it takes a while to take those babies out. And it's in that taking those babies out in that where I was like, oh, I think there are Uzis in those strollers. Yep. And then there were. And then they take down everyone. Like, it's not even, I mean, that was the only part. That was one of the only parts that felt Invasion USA to me, where it was like an insane amount of violence of like where everyone is getting murdered. Cops yeah. are getting murdered. 
like regular people are getting murdered. It's gratuitous, yeah. It's not a controlled stream of bullets to take Steve James down, um, which makes it even weirder when Dudikoff goes on the chase for Six Flags guy. Yeah. And they're like, I'm guessing like a block away at that outside restaurant and people did not hear any of this. <laughs> That's what I was like, what the fuck? Why are they still eating? Right. Like nothing happened. They're literally Uzis going off on the other side. Like you would hear that shit. Cops fucking murder. Just scream yeah. like, but I think that's, uh, so like, I guess there were like, I, and now I'm like, I bet you were going to find a bunch of these moments when Steve James son gets murdered. So he like picks up his son trying to protect him. Yep. And I wrote down, God, they shot that terribly. It looks like his son got murdered. <laughs> because it's like one clearly a dummy just like the other child murder as well which we'll get into which we'll get to which is an even crazier like oh my god if conan o'brien and paul rudd ever stop wanting to do the mac and me and it wasn't totally the most problematic thing ever yeah. They could show the scene when the second son gets murdered because it looks so the equivalent it's, of that kid in the wheelchair getting blown off the 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 cliff in the, the cliff. Yeah, it's it's insane. That that whole scene is just we'll, I couldn't believe we'll, what I was watching. We'll pour over that one, I'm sure. Yeah, but so when he picks up his son, like it's like when Schwarzenegger uses that body in total recall <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing right yeah. and i do you remember at the time of total recall that there was a lot of like debate about whether it's almost like the total recall version of han shot first like, yeah where they're like is he shooting through the body or is he using the body as a shield yeah like there was debate of if the guy had been murdered first oh right right like right. that Sorry. he just picked up a dead body and then used as a shield versus Schwarzenegger, Quaid just ends up picking up someone, uses them to stop the bullets, and then just continues to. I remember there was yeah. a lot of like discussion in like critics' like uh, reviews of it. Um, but I definitely thought there's no way this kid is dying. Like that yeah. would be too crazy. And but then nope. the kid is dead. <laughs> and then like you, it's it's extra confirmation from uh, the EMTs. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down, uh, let's see what what they said. He's not breathing. No pulse. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they were real EMTs. I read that on, like, bloodydisgusting.com. Really? Uh, yeah, they just brought him in. They were, like, local EMTs that came with the uh, the ambulance, I think. Good so, for them. Yeah, they got some good lines. <laughs> they but got Hal Hartley in for this they, movie. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> that is what it is. Man, we have to – I think that might be – that's our new descriptor for anyone who gives the weird flat acting candid style. Right. Uh, is they've Hal Hartley'd it. Uh, a style that I loved in film school and then cannot bear to watch anymore. <laughs> Unless it's in a candid film. Um, but yeah, I was I was shocked. I was totally shocked that the kid was dead. Um, I did have a moment after because then he gives chase to the Six Flags guy. And uh-huh. I, I thought to myself as he climbed up that New Orleans building, he is a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was back in American Ninja for a very brief moment. Um, well, I mean, there's so, so many, like, because there's that picture he looks at that it looks like it's from American Ninja, where I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah. is this a sequel? There's apparently a lot of debate on that online, too. Yeah. They swear 
that they shot it for this movie. But also, even with them swearing, my first thought to reading that was just like, why wouldn't you use a stock photo from the other movie? Like, I don't. You see, he has a bucket on his head. <laughs> I wish. Oh, that would be such a fucking callback Easter egg for no one but that you That would and be me. <laughs> amazing if he had it in his contract. He's like, every movie, I have to have a scene where I have a bucket on my head and I kick <laughs> someone's ass. And, they, and, Gold, and Golden Globus would have let it happen. They would be like, oh, yes, yeah. my James Dean Whatever will get want. a bucket on his head. <laughs> um, and then, so... So I might be getting the order right. Do they go from Steve James's son is dead to yeah. the eighth annual Kenpo ex- exhibition for the Trump rally, essentially? Yeah. So, yeah. So they jump to uh, essentially. There also are. This is a lot like Messenger of Death. There's multiple meetings of uh-huh. these rich white guys wearing tuxedos being terrible human beings. Uh, And so this one is for some reason a Kenpo exhibition that then leads into leads into John P. Ryan giving essentially a Donald Trump speech. It's that's what fucked me up because I was like, holy shit, this is like Fox News. Yeah. Like talking point. Like I I wrote down uh, this is way too prevalent right now. (laughs) <laughs> with it's, the bullshit that's, that's happening the in Portland. Like, it's not like, even it's not even you and me being fucking snowflake liberal, milk toasts yeah. like, oh no, like let's cancel John P. No, it's just like if you if you got Sarah Cooper to do a lip sync video of that, <laughs> yeah, we would think it was a Trump rally. Beyond the fact that he throws in the N-word once. Like uh, right. which was shocking. And also, do you think there was any point where John P. Ryan looked at the script and was just like, talking to his manager? It's like, do I have to? Like, the amount of racial no. slurs I have in here? Probably not. I don't think so, because he seems like the type of, like, um, actor who's very method. Yeah. And yeah. he's the kind of guy who probably would not have a problem. He's just like, no, that's my character. That's yeah. what he says, and that's why it's kind of used so freely. Um, it's because he's a, like, no, that's that's true to the character, and he probably would not yeah. have hesitation. I don't know, I mean, you know, that's assuming, but I just I just know those type of actors who are super method, and they just. But it know. was shocking. It was just again like all the moments oh, in yeah. this movie, like when they threw in actual like racial slurs. Like it wasn't like we were watching. Like I don't know if you ever seen Fight for Your Life, uh, which is just like well known like exploitation movie that's essentially redneck racist like fuck with a african-american family um but it stars the guy from blade runner and uh newhart which i'm blanking on that actor's name he's also in deadwood um oh uh, yeah yeah but it's like it's like this movie that's like it's just no like it's just like non-stop that uh and it's it, it just like this like on unlike that movie that that's what kind of the movie's based around like Every time they would use like a racial slur, it's just like you probably didn't even need to use that. Like, <laughs> I get it. You're terrible. Yeah, human and I know beings. that people are gonna argue with that and say like, well, it's it's true to the time and it's true to the characters, but like, yeah, we get it. But uh, I mean, but also like, like not even necessarily in a canon film, it's not true to that. Like you know, yeah. like it was just so shocking whenever it would have. But all like yeah, that speech is insane. Like it was like. The same fucking, like, 
it's like everything our grandparents are afraid of or something like in a speech like every fox news like just talking about crossing the rio grande and like you know about mexican like 20 million mexicans right and talking about the constitutional right to bear arms and like soldiers and the cause of uh, freedom. And it's like, what the, and this is happening as like, you know, there's the president's fascist cosplay bullshit is happening. Right. You know? So it's like, it's but hard almost not to look watching it. Yeah. I almost though, on the other end, like it was hard to watch. And then also I was like, could I just play this for some fucking idiot now? And just be like, dude, that was 1986. Yeah. You're still yelling about the same stuff? Like your 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 made up fantasy fear racism is like not coming true. Like right. like uh uh and not in your weird way you're doing it. And, and and like you see how they've made these guys into essentially cartoons? Like right. again, that's you. They are all the equivalent of and they are they do basically do a scene that is uh in that Simpsons episode when Krusty the Clown uh, isn't running the camp, and they, oh, they right. he's the guy, and they just go, "Gentlemen to evil," because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there is a scene later on where you're like, "God, they can't get any more cliche, like rich, terrible human beings," and then they're all sitting around drinking brandy out of those brandy glasses, smoking cigars, <laughs> and he just goes, "Gentlemen to the kill" or something. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "Oh my god." But there's one one guy I did a, a screenshot of it uh, where he looks like um, that's at that that ceremony or like the the martial arts. I don't know what the oh, fuck the, it the was. Kempo exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he looks like a, a combination of Jack Black and Chris Pine. He did. Yes. <laughs> I also saw and I want to see if maybe you could find the screen grab of this, too. I swore Ed Koch was in the back. <laughs> I thought so, too. OK, yeah, I thought, thank I never... you. It was so quick, but I was like, gosh, how'd you get here, buddy? Um, Oh, boy. But, yeah, that scene is just insanity. Like, that was a couple of the... There's a couple moments in this movie that involve racism or child murder that were just like, I've seen a lot of shit, and this somehow just feels insane. But I know how, because the world is getting worse uh, that we live in. Um, uh, But just even the fact that he described themselves as like, look around us. We're prime examples of American men. <laughs> I was like, ugh, <laughs> gross. No, but that's that's so true to form, right? Where yeah. it's like we are the the superior, and like look at us, and you're like, good god, yeah, if, you're superior. You're this is the superior. <laughs> like I don't exactly, exactly. But also, and again, yeah, just so many things where you're like, it's amazing that it's so blatant in some ways, like kids getting murdered. Uh, uh, these this speech and then little things where I'm like, what is this arm motion that the you guys do? Something involving kind of a Nazi salute right hand right. and then their left hand. But like, I was like, could also be just the man of war arm signal. Like, it's kind of just <laughs> nothing. Um, and then goes directly to finding out like, oh yeah, the kid is dead. Uh, yep, his his wife is ruined. Oh, by the way, Dudikoff gives his wife when they when they meet at the beginning, he gives her like a straight up like mouth kiss. He does. They are very close. <laughs> he really does. I mean, you know why, Frank? It's because look, man, I hate to break this to you. I love you, buddy. We're good friends. We will never be as good of friends <laughs> as oh, Dudikoff yeah. and Steve James in any of these movies. <laughs> like oh, yeah. their friendship is so. Crazy, like it really is. Like I, like 
I legitimately, as a 42-year-old man, was like, and it, you know, it's hard enough to uh, have friends as a 42-year-old man combined with a pandemic. But I was just like, man, I envy. I envy their love. Like, they just, like, yeah. they're, and especially when they kind of, like, they end up doing after that where he sends his wife away and then in a helicopter with this guy. I was weirdly obsessed with T.C. Cooper. That was the name of that guy with glasses who was supposed to protect them uh right. i don't know if you knew him. <laughs> like i i he, there's no reason i should have been paying attention to tc cooper but he was just such a weird goofball uh and he might have had no teeth but um then they send him away and then they end up getting into does is that when he goes to the government or does he go do they go in the helicopter yet at that point i don't know uh it gets conf- i think they might go to the government so quote unquote he gets follow. He's gonna go hunting around Matt Hunter, and he goes to some place where it seems like, as you called it, Frank, it's just the government. There's a weird outpost that is like someone from the CIA and maybe someone from the FBI. Yeah, and I don't. Oh, it, that doesn't happen till after. Oh, is that after the warehouse fight? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they get in the helicopter, or do they drive there? I got confused on where they went. Yeah, because what happens is, uh, yeah, they drive. So, <laughs> yeah, they get the phone call. They're about to get in the helicopter. He gets a phone call. And tell, I, I expected the helicopter to actually explode. Right. Uh, I yeah. thought that's what was going to happen. In this movie, it should have. But, no, they go uh, from that from the hospital straight to the uh, where they're chase, being chased. You know, okay. They go to the location yes. where you hear the great Beverly Hills cop type of music. Yes. Uh, very good chase scene i was into it that moment when six flags guy stops he's like where did they go oh dude yeah and then our dream car goes flying over (laughs) i wrote down hell yeah truck jump fuck yes (laughs) it was such a good truck jump man uh it made me so psyched but that was a good that was a good car chase like, you know, it's no Billy Friedkin in the French Connection, but it still worked pretty well. And the music was I, great over that. I know. It's great. I, I kept being like, yeah, I, I wrote down, yeah, excavator water dump. <laughs> <laughs> also, it might be an ADR, but Six Flags, I think when there's the awesome truck jump, I think he yells out, oh, God, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> which I was obsessed with, too. Um, I, I, I kept writing down, like, what's the plan here? Right. Well, Frank, there is no plan. They're going to do what they do best. Improvise. Improvise. And what the other guys are going to do, I don't know what they're doing. That's what I think, again, my wife looked up from her book and was like, are they trying to trap them or the other guys trapping them? I was like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know who thinks they're doing what. Like, yeah. All of the members of the Doobie Brothers are running around. Uh, that's improv, baby. That's improv, baby. Steve James and the keyboardist from the Doobie Brothers both do the same hand motion <laughs> of just basically just saying, you go left, I'll go right. But they all share the same lingo. That fight scene was great. All of that stuff was awesome. Yeah, all that stuff was that was like that was like the best part of the movie, I thought. That was where, well, one, I wrote Steve James does a lot of heavy lifting here. Cause yeah, he, is he just sure does. Taking that shirt off, showing off his fucking body again. He, one, the fight I really was thinking of where you said the Doobie Brothers. When he's fighting that main Doobie Brother guy on top of the crane or whatever. 
Yeah. That guy lands backwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> like his body is twisted in half when he yeah. lands. <laughs> it was I I rewound it two times to watch it again because <laughs> I kept laughing over it and not believing that his body was as wrapped up as it was. Um and then Yeah, I Yeah, go on. No, no, yeah, I because like I took a screenshot of that as well. Um, so good. Just being like, this is the weird. It's almost like they're like, hey, make him look like a dummy that fell. <laughs> yeah, because he's got like, it's like in uh, Airplane Two when he's in the veterans <laughs> hospital and he's trying to paint that guy, and it's like oh, right. the guy running away with a baby with his leg behind his head. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then is it Dudikoff who chokes a guy out with his belt? <laughs> Oh man, I I looked at that stunt and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "That stunt looks dangerous as fuck." Somebody somebody broke something. I mean, Dudikoff said he did a lot of his own stunts on this and was covered in bumps and scrapes and like. Oh yeah, he up. got sick on this movie too. God, man, Dudikoff is not a well person. I'm glad he's still alive because he's getting sick all the time. What did you <laughs> know? What he got in this? It, I hope not malaria again. So uh, during this movie, when he shot it. Uh, they spent two weeks in the bayou uh, mm-hmm. doing those like fight scenes. Yeah. And uh, it says that he ran through numerous spider webs, got an ear infection, contracted a skin virus, Ugh. and endured like many cuts and bruises. Both at the beginning and the end when they're in the bayou. That's all I could think about. Like, one, Dude, I was just me- like, I hate being wet in my clothes. More yep. than anything. I was like, this must have been a fucking nightmare to shoot. They must have gotten there and just every single person just like, why did we sign up for this movie? And then like yeah. all that stuff, like even in the beginning, that first scene when those two guys are running and then the guy it falls down and his friend like goes to get water to clean his wound. Like my first thought was just like, you're just rubbing botulism in there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, uh, poor, poor Dudikoff. But he was strong enough to choke a man out. With his belt. I know. <laughs> and pull him down from a crane, which was awesome. And then Steve James gets shot, which, one, the guy who shot him looked like a young Hunter S. Thompson to me. Uh, so I just yeah. called him Hunter S. Thompson. But Hunter S. Thompson would not have shot him if he hadn't yelled out Matt. Like, he didn't really need to. He could have just shot him with the Uzi. Just shot him, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was that was where I also was worried he was dead, because I knew he got out of the movie semi-early-ish. Um uh, but luckily he wasn't because then he could say, or did Dudikoff says, I can't remember. You might know who said your fight is my fight. Just remember that. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you you can stay out of this because it's, it's not your fight. And he goes, no, your fight is my fight. This one, this scene had a couple of good lines too. You know, uh, that guy says, you know, uh, hey, Bubba, we'll be back for you. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, yeah, you tell them they'll be biting off more than they can chew. I it's It's probably, it's the best section in the movie, I think. Like, you know, like line wise, action wise, Steve James wise. Yeah. Uh, it's just nothing but cool and nothing but fun. Uh, but again, there's some all those Doobie it, brothers should have better bodies if they're trying to take Dudikoff on. <laughs> I think they reused some of those guys, too, because they looked very familiar. And uh, yeah. one of them looked like Dieter's dancer. <laughs> yes. Did. Yeah, there's no way those guys did not show up in that that bayou scene at the end, like with the, <laughs> that fucking crawdad cookout 
<laughs> that, that leads weird... to child prostitution. Oy, um, oy. Also, I had written down that uh, uh, COVID weekend warrior looked a lot like Derek from New Year's Evil to me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that picture that they give to Derek, which is also I'm calling that guy now Derek as well. Uh, <laughs> they print out a photo of Dudikoff right before they say basically gentleman to evil. Like, yeah. it is like, it's like a wall-sized poster of his head <laughs> on a dot matrix printer. I loved it so yeah. much. But so then they get to the house, like, they end up that they're going to go fucking kill uh, Dudikoff and his family and kidnap them. Right, they go to the, the, the ranch, or right. like, that's where Dudikoff goes, where actually, I mean, I wrote down another line where he's talking to his little sister, and she's like, you know, why do they why do they do this? And he goes, because sometimes in politics, Sarah, we have evil men who won't stop at anything to get rich and gain power over other people. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit. Yes, that's right. And then also in that, that uh, scene where they're at the shooting range, uh, the guy says like, he goes, what about our supporters? He goes, supporters, they're shit. Just like the rest of those idiots out there. And I was like, Holy fuck. Like I kept, there kept being I moments know. like this where I'm like, this is so <laughs> there's relevant to there are some like, moments that's again where the confusing politics because you're on the side of a government guy basically i mean i guess in theory he's a one-man army who couldn't deal with the government and goes off on its own but you know the bad guys here are big business uh i'm never yeah. gonna be against that <laughs> like uh and that there's some sort of secret cabal you know i mean i think if you believe in the illuminati and all that stuff you relax a little bit like it of course <laughs> you know big business is pulling a lot of strings but uh i'm gonna love any of that stuff but then at the same time again we're weirdly like he's working with the government but then they throw us off because then at the end we find out maybe the fifth pentangle member is the guy who wrote the movie the whole time but kind of yeah. semi like i didn't really know why he was it besides i guess he's a higher up but he's not that higher up uh, I guess at that point it didn't matter, but what did matter is the ADR of that sister made her sound like a strangled cat when <laughs> the fire goes off. Oh my God. Yeah. So they light his ranch on fire. The sister is like, like trying to do something crazy. Uh, yeah. They kill a guy trying to eat soup really brutally. Dude. I love it. So yeah. Uh, one of the guys that's trying to protect them talks about how chilly it is. Again, another candid thing where it's like, you don't have to set up why he's eating soup. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it was weird that he's like sitting down on a porch to eat a bowl of chicken noodle soup, basically. He, he puts down his, his automatic rifle <laughs> so he could just sip on some soup. He's sipping on, because as he's walking out too, my thought was, is he holding soup? And then <laughs> he starts eating soup. I'm like, he is eating soup. And then fucking arrow through the neck. Yep. No more soup for you. Soup Nazi. <laughs> um, and then they fucking destroy that house. They bomb it. Just yeah, bomb the hell out that of it. That was fucking brutal. Like all the like, you know, like the where the grandpa was and when they're playing cards, like it yep. just gets Yep. And then we don't have to go in the exact order, but like shoot down point blank his wife. Yeah, that I uh brutal. <laughs> I know I was just I wrote down like get your son because they were exiting the house yep 
before he even got the sun. And it's like they're sitting ducks just standing out there. At this point in the movie, I was like, I hate this. I'm, yeah. I'm getting very stressed out. Yeah. And of course, like they immediately kill the wife. Right. And I'm like, uh, I, I feel like. Look, man, we <clears> feel uncomfortable a lot of times watching these movies as older men and in our current climate. Uh, that's so, that's yeah. part of the world we're gonna we live in with the cannon cannon, and I was right with you. To me, this is where the confusing politics comes in because it's trying to make a point about you know like uh, uh, these white supremacists and you know these people and but then at the same time it's almost like they're like still trying to have like you know uh, have their cake and eat it you know too yeah. and like they because then they're still killing off you know the this black family right and it almost is like. You know, well, let's be progressive, but like, let's not be too progressive here because we're gonna. The well, I, I felt they're murdering everyone, but then there's a racist weight to the murder, and was, again, where exactly. it's like you don't need every member of that family to be murdered, uh, especially as brutally as they are murdered. Because, like, so Steve James, when he gets shot and an arrow in his back, and is crawling up the stairs to get to his son, one. Looked a little bit like uh, Kung Fu Jones in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker when he's right, completely yeah, yeah. shot up. And I was like, same acting style. But also then dies, like falls off that stairwell right after he tells dude, Matt Hunter to take care of my son. Right. And don't then, let my son die. Don't let my son die. And then what does Matt Hunter let him do? Immediately. Immediately. Not even... A couple scenes after, one scene after, he literally breaks out of the window, gets <laughs> jumps, on the roof. Uses him as to, to lessen his fall. Lessen his fall because he gets an arrow in the leg, falls. It looks like a mattress dummy. Yeah. Slams into the... I almost woke up my three-year-old child because I yelled out, oh my God. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I was. I was in the same boat too. Where I was like, I got to be quiet because I was like, what the fuck? Because it's like, yeah, he. It looked like he killed him jumping out. That's the thing. The like kid he already died on that the roof. Kid died because Dudikov used him to protect himself from <laughs> falling. And it's like you basically watch the the mattress dummy's neck snap. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, he doesn't save the kid. So the the wife is dead. The kid has now died. Dudikoff then has one of his most triumphant moments. That music like swells as he pulls the arrow out of his leg. Uh, uh -huh. And then they kidnap his sister and make a deal with him because much like a lot of canon films, there's so many elements in here. If you forgot that a big chunk of this was also they play the most dangerous game and they hunt man, they're like, oh, by the way, also we're going to hunt man now. And you're who we're <laughs> hunting. Because, yeah, then they end up making some weird deal where they're kidnapping her. He's got to show up at this Bayou Crab Off. Uh, ten days later. Ten days later. Okay. I missed that part because I was start I was so shocked by the kid. So I was like, man, he healed pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah, ten days later, he's got to show up, which I guess gives them time to set up that what they're going to do is auction off his, like, 12-year-old ADR sister that night. That night, unless he survives by midnight as a prostitute so you could get her virginity. But so he has to compete in this most dangerous game. So he ends up getting to this Bayou crab off that they're having. Ends up finding his sister 
who, of course, is he is guided to his sister by a very transphobic character. <laughs> like, yep, um, exactly. Uh, it's a man in That's drag. That's the kind of thing That's that was confusing. done in 80s movies. Yes. Where it was just like, I know what you're doing here, and it's just so, like, yeah. gross. It's such a it's such a bummer. And it's it's even more of a bummer when it's 80s comedies. Like when oh, you're yeah. like, oh, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> whoever it is, you know, like we talked about Armed and Dangerous last time. There's a whole section of Armed and Dangerous, which is really hard to watch. But uh, and then he takes the sister, gets her. I That was the part I got confused about. So they let him escape with her. Yeah, they said that they were like they, they wanted that to happen, I guess. Why? Even though I was confused by all the like weird Cajun guys who you there were you couldn't hear a word they were saying, tong, ting, tong, which I guess is tong. actually true to, right. to Cajun. Uh, they might have been but, actually speaking Creole, or they had thick accents. It was hard to tell. Yeah, but they're like, no, 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 yes, and they're like pointing guns at him, but then they're letting him go, right? And they won't let him use a boat, of course. So then he's got, and then they say like, let's give him a thirty-minute head start, but then they don't even do that. No, they don't. By the way, I also called them the Creole Welcoming Committee, uh, <laughs> which is another, uh, that's an American folk band that I like, uh, unlike the Pentangle. I also wrote down, like, when they got to the sister, did not see any of that coming. <laughs> like, No, I certainly did not. I, I wrote down on when I, that happened, I was like, I was like, no, yeah, no. no. I, as I saw it started to cut, like, I was like, I was like, no, she's not at the, oh, fuck this. <laughs> right. No, no. And then I was a little relieved when I was like, okay, good, nothing's happened yet. Because I was yes. very worried, based off of Death Wish 2, yeah. that they were going to go for it. And I was like, oh, thank God they didn't. But still, I was like, oh. You know what I just realized? It's a little bit, I have like, I think I'm gun shy from Rambo Last Blood. Because I'm such a big First Blood fan. And I'm such a big fan of when he came back and just did the self-titled Rambo. And then Rambo Last Blood was so disappointing to me. And I've watched it a second time. And a lot of it is the same as this, where I was just like, there was a way to do this without truly brutalizing, like, the the few female character you had here, <laughs> like, sort right. of thing. And, like, and and it, it just, like, it, it, it that movie really bums me out in a lot of ways. And, as again, as a fan of the series, or at least the the bookend so much. And it's a lot like that where it's just like, yeah, you could because again, when he takes her, I was like, well, why was this the plan then? Like, why are you bothering putting on a huge amount of makeup on that girl? Yeah. I don't know what that like why they were making her look like a 16th century French prostitute, but I guess yeah, because again, it's that, Cajun country. I don't know. Again, it's like it's a choice that I feel like it made me a little uncomfortable being like, all right, who's making these well, especially after we had so much talk, especially in the beginning of like, she's a real cutie. She's yeah. going to be a real heartbreaker. God, I wish I could dress her up like a 16th century French prostitute. <laughs> like, you know, so he does escape and then essentially just, you know, they do a gentleman to evil. They all put on their costumes and they go on a, the a, a manhunt. Yeah. Uh, and all that's pretty fun. They do a good job, basically. Uh, yeah. uh, he just goes mano a mano with each of them. Uh, I don't understand why they did. He didn't just tell his sister, like, just stay here, just hide here, because I, there are people after us. Maybe the most annoyed I was is when he came back after uh, killing uh, Stranger Samurai, 
yeah. by flipping him into that uh, spike tree coming out of the... <laughs> yeah, he won by accident. Yeah. yeah. That's the other part, too. Like, the whole... A lot of those fights, there's a little bit of, like, why are you the one? Like, you're not exactly a one-man army. You're pretty good. But you did basically He's flip him by accident. He's getting his ass kicked. He gets destroyed by S&M Tony Levin, Jesse Ventura. He's, like, like doing backbreakers on him. That's right. Like, he was... I wrote that down, that he was really working that back out. He is treating him like Bane and Nightfall. Like, just, like, breaking it. Like, I was like, did they get the idea from this? Because he's also strapped up like Bane and Nightfall. Um, Yeah. I also, why each of them took off their masks. uh, But uh, that was just a whatever. Also, that was the moment where Stranger Samurai, I was like, you might have the worst of the costumes. (laughs) Yeah. Just because it's like, you got to go. Like, the swords are great. But also, you can't see anything out of that mask, especially when it's raining. Like, what a terrible sight line you've got. But yeah, then he gets his back just destroyed by Tony Levin, Jesse Ventura. Um, kicks him in the nuts, which I was like, okay, I guess that's a connection to the sexual thing, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't lean into that even more so as his character game because that's around the time, too, that, as you point out, his do- the sister is just gone because he didn't tell her, hey, stay here. Yeah. Like, and I'm just glad that S&M, Tony Levin, Jesse Ventura wasn't like fresh meat to like the. Yeah, I was worried girl. about that. That would have yeah. been a bummer to end on. And then shotgun and grenades. What a terrible choice for weapons for a COVID weekend warrior. <laughs> um, Just like feels like. Oh, wait. Also, with shotgun and grenades, did his sister get shot? I thought so. She gets some buckshot in her, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't really. Well, cause I guess because she gets to the hospital later, or that like government hospital, or that whatever right. the uh, the safe house is. But like, um, yeah, I think she does. Again, another move didn't necessarily need to happen, but that's what most of Avenging Force is. And then yeah, and then he kills. Uh, I don't even know how he killed. How did he kill COVID Weekend Warrior? Do you remember? Oh, I think he stabs him. Oh, maybe with that knife that he pulled, because he did have a surprise knife. He wasn't just grenades and shotguns. Yeah, um, he had that knife, and then he, like, stabs him. And then he finds uh, that and group And I was like, man, just keep them. stabbing him. Yeah, keep going, man. Don't just do one, man. Uh, and then he finds that group photo of them. Like, he's got in his wallet all the pentangle. So oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I thought... That was funny where uh, he called, he goes, sorry about that, cuz. And he kept saying, cuz. Yeah. And I was like, I, w- I wish they were related. Like, we find out, like, somehow that they were, like, related. That would be very fun. Like, but he, nope, he's got that wallet with the Citibank card and yeah. the photos with him and his buddies in this weird cult. Yeah. He put aside that Subway card. He only had one sub to go to get his free 12-inch <laughs> foot long. But he had his he had his pentangle white supremacist cult buddies gentleman to evil photo yeah his uh, uh like the same kind of photo you'd see in the apple jacks commercials yes in the 90s where they're like you know we eat what we like yeah exactly and then uh he goes back to the government and the government's like don't do this and that's when right. he says his improvised line stick it where the sun don't shine exactly and i guess i guess <clears throat> that's kind of supposed to set up that that guy is going to be the fifth pentangle member because he's trying to keep him and i guess that's why he was suggesting originally for him to go in as like an undercover agent yeah to be in the murder but like 
it still feels small potatoes. I think that's the weird part. They, they, they do all this talk about like that there's a fifth member who really pulls the strings and you'll never know who he is. But like he's like a low level admiral as far as I can tell. Like it's not like yeah, but I, I was waiting for it to be the president. I think partly right. because all these speeches, oh, that's funny. all these speeches like remind both of us so much of fucking Trump rallies that like I wanted the I wanted to really be fuck big business and fuck the government. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like fucking abolish it goes everything. all the way to the top. Yes. But cause that's the thing. It's like it goes all the way to like middle management, you yeah. know, like it's not well, enough I- of a thing. Maybe he's not the fifth member, but he's definitely the one who's like, because the other two guys who work for him, they keep implying throughout the movie, they kind of plant the seeds of being like, how do they know that, you know, ahead right. of every step? Like, and even Dudikoff saying, like, how did they know I was, at, you know, it's implied that he's the one who's right. been uh, telling the pen, <laughs> I almost said Pantages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Pantages. Uh, yeah, the Pentagious actors. <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean, that one guy too. He had a great mustache. One of the oh, man. one coworker loved it. Man, he looked like our friend Wet, uh, Brett White. Yes, he uh, did. Yeah, our our good friend Brett White, who writes uh, a lot of great uh, pop culture stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he had that kind of style and flair. But that that mustache was excellent. It was that guy cared about how he looks, and I appreciated that. Uh, and then, yeah, Dudikoff, uh, he says, fuck it. I'm going to go take fucking this main guy on and goes to another meeting of a bunch of guys wearing tuxedos. <laughs> and he- yep. It's the same. It's the same fundraiser that uh, we see in um, a messenger of death. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> God, if that guy showed up again, here's my contribution. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, Homer. <laughs> Here you go, Homer. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I think even if I was a right wing business monster at a certain point, I would want this guy to stop speechifying at me, you know, right? like the amount of times you've got to listen to him just fucking saying the same shit. But at this time now, also crazy. He's stroking a cat. What is this? The fucking like James Bond, Jeff, he's holding a kitten. Yes. And I don't know if you thought this, but I was like, he's going to crush that kitten. I I kind of, at that point of the movie, wish he had crushed the kitten. I said, I said no, please don't do this. <laughs> Instead, like, to the butler, please take my cats. <laughs> yep. I was surprised at that because I thought he was going to be angry and twist like, I thought it was going to be like a fake, you know, like yeah. it was going to look like another dummy thing. Yeah. But I was like. I was like, "Why is he holding a kitten? Please don't do anything to this kitten." <laughs> yeah, I, I now I, I, I wish he had in some ways because without it, he really is just doing. Again, the thing if we were like noting a parody of like a James Bond like evil like bad guy sketch, we would have been like, "I don't know, the cat thing's a little overdone." Yeah, give him a different animal. Yeah, different animal. That's the fun part. He's got a Give possum. Him a Komodo dragon. Oh, a Komodo dragon. Perfect. It's a little nod to the, the freshman. And then, yeah, so basically he's got his yes, Hitler was right speech. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Which apparently in Germany uh, they changed it to we were right. Yep. Uh, which is pretty crazy. And then uh, that leads to the final confrontation. By the way, the, the head guy doesn't seem that choked up about the deaths of all of his friends. No, not at all. He's just like, whatever. Like, if fucking COVID Weekend Warrior saw that as a ghost, 
And it was just like, I had a picture of us <laughs> in my right. Velcro wallet. Like, next to my... Buds, dude. Right next to my Ralph's card. Like, what are you doing to me? Also, wasn't he stabbed? Who? The the main guy. I thought, like... Was he stabbed? Yeah, because I thought he was, like, towards... The, remember when he was trying to get uh, Dudikoff and he... Oh, right. Dudikoff stabs him? Yeah. Maybe it was 10 more days. 10 days so, because he healed pretty quickly. 10 days is a healing factor, man. That's all you need in New Orleans bio. Yep. They all have Wolverine's uh, Exactly. <laughs> Just a little bit slower. Um, yeah. Uh, but, and then he challenges him to a fight in the Great Hall, which was Oof. kind of tiny. It's a yeah. little tiny hall uh, where he shoved all of his weapons in, and he's hiding his stunt double that has a crazy wig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like old lady blue hair wig. And, and so, yeah, so then they get into a final battle. Uh, and that guy is obsessed with garroting, like, or garroting, or however the fuck you're supposed to say it. I know. I, 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 those scenes, I mean, it's always hard for me to watch those scenes because especially Dudikoff, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's brutal because he's got that thing and he's just twisting. Yes. The, oh man, that, that part, and especially the way Dudikoff looks, is like, you know, he's giving it his all. And I'm like, this looks very uncomfortable. He looks like Schwarzenegger and Total Recall on Mars. Oh, like, right. <laughs> it's like his tongue sticking out. I'm waiting for his eyes to start bulging. It, it looks uncomfortable. I agree. Like, there's no way to shoot that. And it wasn't terrible for him. And then, yeah. And then he ends up slaying him on. I, I also was like, is this some way? Cause it's like, I think it may be, if I'm remembering right, it's like he got slayed on an African statue. Oh, and I'm I don't like, know. Ew, is that their weird, like, commentary like on racism? Of, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's in that tone of how you just reacted is the downside of it when Avenging Force gets. It's like, it's hard to not have those moments where you're just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Man, why'd you do this to me? Because then it's followed <laughs> up with such great stuff. Um, that scream. Oh, my God. That scream. So, thought, yeah, that scream is nuts. I was like, is he a demon? I, I, I mean, could have been at that point with that crazy noise. Like, do you think that was his choice or a Furstenberg choice? I, I mean, it's obviously a post choice. Like, I think <laughs> yeah. it was a combination of just like in Runaway Train. We, I think we forgot to talk about this, but like where they put a, a lion roar, yeah, over the train noise, right? At one point, and it's like I feel like on this one they're like, no, they really have to like, it, it's the bad guy <laughs> dying and he's pure evil. So let's put a demon noise on top of this yeah. as well. It's also, the nuts. the sound score, the music during that that scene and after sounded like Beetlejuice. It's it, yeah, that kind of elfman bounciness to it. Yeah, it had like or like this kind of like or in um in Gremlins, you know, like after Stripe has been killed. Yeah, and he's just that goo. Yeah, it it kind of was reminiscent of like that Jerry Goldsmith type of right. It's kind of like creepy, but kind of whimsical a little yeah. bit, and it's. It had that feeling to it. I actually really dug it. I put down a timestamp of 137, so I, I assume it's around that. Now that I'm going to have to look that mark. up again. Like, and now I'm picturing like the Burb soundtrack starts at that point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, and then he murders him, and then he goes back to like basically just let him know. But I guess it's because Matt Hunter now realizes that the Admiral is the fifth member of the Pentangle, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And then, I so I... And even that I've written it down. So I had to go back because I kept missing 
he says something to the admiral, and I couldn't ever understand what his final like line was to him. He goes, "So am I. So am I." What does he say? What's he responding to? I clearly my spell check change it to did I did I instead of so am I. But okay, so he says when he's giving him a, a the talking at the end, he goes, "So if Pantangles is just getting started, let them know. So am I. So am I." Ah. And then he, and that's when he turns, right? Yeah, with that great end. Yes, freeze frame, title, theme is pretty great. Although- I loved it. I wrote down great keyboard ending with that electric guitar. Again, that's yeah. like the kind of thing you would put in like a parody movie. I know. It's, it's perfect. The end feels the most parody of everything. Like that freeze, it feels like it could be a scene in Last Action Hero. Oh um, man, you know what? I just to kind of I'm, I'm not going to get off topic here, but I actually love Last Action. Hero. I do too. I mean, I, I think it's ahead of its time, and I think it's it got. I I would. I don't know if a remake would be good, but I I think I that, don't think it could work without Schwarzenegger. I don't think so either. But man, it's so. Uh, I think it's I think it's underrated. I think it's good. I think it's fine. I think it it just it lost out in the uh, uh, advertising battles with Jurassic oh, World yeah. that year, uh, or yep. Jurassic Park. Um, Dress part. Uh, but yeah, that freeze frame. I mean, my wife thought the theme was way too bouncy for being the end, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm into I mean, I was like, I'm going to definitely listen to this later. And then, yeah, like I just thought that end was so fucking good. It's just such a weird, badass. Like, I was like, yeah, give me Night Hunter now. <laughs> like, I yeah. want a Vegic Force. Maybe a little bit less racism in the next one, but uh, <laughs> and maybe one or two less kids killed in front of us but you know yeah, let steve james just fucking be in the whole movie oh man i yeah let I, him die at the end i don't know like ah, that yeah. was such a bummer for me i yeah i think like this again we said at the beginning and it'll probably show in our ratings maybe but like i think it was one of the more canon canon films i've ever seen yeah i think it's like everything is what you would imagine if you love canon films, but also it's everything if you only vaguely know canon films are like, what, do these movies have this and this happen? And you're right. like, yeah, they do. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I, 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 I'm, I'm, I was psyched on it in a weird way. Um, yeah. Uh, should we do our canon canon ratings? Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to start, man. I mean, out of it being our canon canon ratings of it, how canon is it, this one gets a 10. I mean, yeah. I'm giving a straight across 10 cannons. Could not be more canon to me. Um, yeah, I give it a bolded 10. Yeah, I, I'm almost like, I mean, I've rewatched Electric Boogaloo, that documentary, a couple of times. And I always feel like I need to like go back and see once I watch something I haven't seen and see how they mention it. And I know, Same, it, yeah. I know it was like a critical failure and it didn't do so great. But like, I just want to see what they said about Avenging Force. Um or if it's just another drop in the bucket moment in the in the uh, uh, the documentary, uh, I mean, I'm also now interested, especially like I want to read that canon, both those canon books, that book about Sam Furstenberg and the canon guy, just to know, yeah, you know what fucking uh, what did they say about Avenging Force? Because again, it's just so we always are coming at it with our sketch comedian brains too, and it's just uh-huh. it's a fucking sketch. Like it's well, a sketch be, for no one. Avenging Force will be in the next uh, guide the, uh, for Austin's book. That, oh, right. Because right now it, 
it's only the volume one where it goes up to 84 i was I think. just gonna say it's i was like yeah right you're right it stops at 84 85 i think so it wouldn't yeah. even hit that uh we have to wait for me to know how fucking ridiculous this was in their minds um <laughs> uh, but yeah i thought it was great man did you have any final thoughts on anything we missed um let me look i mean we've gone amazingly quick. long on avenging force which is oh yeah we this is so probably exciting. one of our uh, longest episodes yeah we went through it like pretty extensively yeah i, I wrote down kick his ass steve james slap him the fuck around <laughs> when he sla- smashes that guy's head into yes. that big wheel yes Watching this made me excited. It made me excited just in general, but I also was just like, oh, there's more American ninjas for us to watch. Yep. And that means me there's too. more I got Steve excited James about that. and Dudikoff. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just psyched about that. I think we did it all, man. I, I mean, it's uh, it's Avenging Force. I mean, how I, I'm, I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah i mean i i was i'm very mixed on it just because like there were parts of it that i was just like this is the movie i want to watch and i'm I, i'm in love with it like dur- during the whole like um shipyard scene like that's the kind of movie i wish the rest of it would have been where it's like I-, I think that there's enough there also here's here's the the movie i wish uh we had um and and that one of his sons survives yeah especially the one who was uh, who knew karate yeah and um it's years later down the down the road and there's right. like an avenging force three and that kid is old enough and now he's joining dudikoff to get revenge on the pentangle love that so that way because his whole family he's the only surviving member of his family and he's got to get revenge too. And Dudikoff brings him along. And there's so much that he has to reveal about his father and how he knew him. And because he was too young to really know his father. And like, I don't know. I think that like, you should have left one family member. It's so short sighted for a sequel. Like it's, yeah. it, and that feels like the perfect way to do it. But maybe they knew enough that they weren't going to do a second one of this Avenging Force 2, the Avenging or yeah. more force. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would have loved that. I wish there were less dead kids. Uh, yeah. I wish there was uh, uh, less, less racism. Less creepiness towards the daughter or the sister. Yeah, less less of that. Uh, I wish there was less racism, more just they're terrible businessmen. I wish it felt a lot less like our current hell we live in. Yeah. Um, but when it wasn't happening then... Yeah, it's a hell of a ride. It's a hell of a fucking ride. Dudikoff, baby. Yeah, Dudikoff. It's crazy. This is the last thing I want to say on it, I think, is that like I, I'm i amazed that when we started doing this podcast, even though I knew that we'd talk about Dudikoff, I wouldn't think that I would be so psyched on the Dudikoff ones as much. Same. Like my my main bread and butter was going to be like, oh, I can't wait to watch the Jean-Claude movies, which we haven't done in the Chuck Norris's ones. And then, you know, the Bronson ones I really love. Uh, but I never, and I was like, oh, we'll get through the Dudikoffs, but like the Dudikoffs have been some of the most fun we've had. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, 10 out of 10 cannons, uh, 10 out of 10 for me as well. Yeah. But yeah, on that note, I, I think it's time to move on to our next episode. Uh, it'll be coming soon. Uh, until yep. then. Uh, everyone, please, uh, email us at the Canon Canon or, uh, talk to us at Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, again, it's, uh, two ends in the first Canon, one end in the second. 
And uh, I also, I, I know this week I sent out some uh, uh, requests if people could find links. Some of these, again, are going to be hard for us to find. So I might be reaching out to our, our fans if you guys know where to find some of these movies. Yeah, um, some of them are very hard to track down. They really are. Well, luckily, luckily we've we've got some sources. Uh, well, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but again, please tell your friends. Uh, it really does help us to. We love seeing reviews. We love hearing from everyone. We love uh, likes and we love uh, reviews and uh, subscribes because God damn it, we're needy too. Uh huh. But I will say until next week. I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is The Canon. Canon. Stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs>